Frank, and this is Blade and Frankism, a podcast that introduces new perspectives and experiences into the community consciousness and dialogue by talking to people that represent various generations and walks of life. We, the community, are creating our own narrative. Our weekly conversations will reveal the truth about those interviewed, the issues they care about, and their view of the world. Who knows? One day it could be you, your issue, and your view. Storytelling is resistance. Let's get it. Now, as an educator, I can't do this without an objective in mind. So, our objective, no, our SMART goal for this and every week is that by the end of today's show, we will all learn something about ourselves and the world as we each see both and take an action step on a personal or collective level that reflects this learning. Let's get into it. Let's warm up. On Friday, November 23rd, 2012, Jordan Davis was gunned down, murdered in a Jacksonville, Florida gas station because he was a black boy with other black boys playing music that a white man didn't like. We're going to call a thing a thing here, y'all. His murderer, who I won't give airtime to, was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life plus 90 years. Jordan's mother, Lucy McBath, was motivated by the circumstances of her son's death to run for Congress on the platform of gun control. She won flipping a red state in doing so. I can't imagine the pain she felt or how it drove her. I myself often think about getting more politically involved, but I hesitate. I may one day, but I also wonder about those who want to do more but don't know how to do it, or who to turn to for help to enter those spaces of change. Well, there is one organization serving the community members of Ward 7 and 8 to help them do just that. Bridges, Inc. is a social enterprise which specializes in community development, community engagement, and community empowerment. At the heart of their work is the community which they serve. Their primary objective is to assist vulnerable communities navigate complex systems that are often bureaucratic, unsupportive, or unresponsive to their needs. They view themselves as catalysts to change helping people access and navigate systems, as well as working to transform and improve the very systems that serve their most vulnerable residents. In this way, they build individual, community, and organizational capacity. They implement trainings, workshops, and capacity-building programming to strengthen the community's voice and build its capacity to engage others in a shared vision for its growth and development. They work to equip individuals with the skills, knowledge, training, and access to information and resources that enables them to perform effectively, while partnering with organizations and institutions to enhance and improve management structures, processes, and procedures that help to cultivate better relationships with the communities which they serve. Today, we'll be talking to Letitia Atkins, community advocate and organizer with Bridges, Inc., Ms. Atkins, born on November 17, 1971 in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, moved to Washington, D.C. in 1994 to attend the George Washington University Law School. Upon graduation, she worked as the, the Director of Public Policy at the D.C. Children's Trust Fund, where she was responsible for developing the annual public policy agenda for the district's children, youth, and families. 
From 2006 until currently, she's worked tirelessly on behalf of the Ward 7 community, conducting outreach and engagement activities with key stakeholders in an effort to strengthen families and children living in the ward and to identify solutions to challenges that exist wardwide. From 2009 to 2014, she served two mayors of the District of Columbia in various capacities, including her work as the Executive Director of the Mayor's Office on Women's Policy and Initiatives and the D.C. Commission for Women. Here she served as an advocate to over 300,000 women and girls in the district and focused on enhancing the quality of life for all women and their families through the review and research of existing laws, policies, public hearings, listening sessions, and community town halls. In 2015, Letitia left her work in D.C. government and returned to her home ward to focus on community issues full-time. She established Bridges, Inc., Building Bridges to Success, Inc., which specializes in community development, community engagement, and community empowerment. At the heart of our work is the community. We implement trainings, workshops, and capacity-building programming to strengthen the community's voice and build its capacity to engage others in a shared vision for growth and development. Ms. Atkins is committed to the growth and development of others and is currently working on various projects in Ward 7 to include projects associated with the Anacostia Waterfront Trust and the Benham Family Foundation. She's the proud resident of Ward 7 and a graduate of Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia. We won't get into the real HU conversation, y'all. <laughs> and the George Washington University Law School in Washington, D.C. Here's our interview with Letitia Atkins. Let's go ahead and get started. Good morning, Tish. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, Sean. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. I appreciate you joining me. Um, can you tell the listeners just maybe a little bit about yourself that wasn't in the bio? Uh, sure, sure. Um, uh, well, I, I I know that the bio is pretty extensive, and um, it is. When I was reading, <laughs> when I was reading back through it, I was I, I really thought I covered everything, so I figured that um. I'll try to be a little lighthearted with with the additional items um, that I may have left off of my uh, my bio, but um, I, you know, I as you can tell from my from my I, I hope you can tell from my bio, I am someone who loves to work. Uh, work has has been a a, um, a, a a at the forefront of what I what I what I've been doing since I was about twelve years old when I would come up to DC every summer, every Christmas, every spring break to work in my family's janitorial business. So I've always seen the value of working hard to obtain what it is I want in life. Um, but um, I'm a firm believer that for those who work as work as hard as we do, we need to equally play as hard. So oh, yes. I do have a very playful side and um, my hobbies are working um, my hobbies are really music and working with artists in the music inter- in the music and entertainment business. Um, before I kind of got involved in community and government work, and you know, I was I was passionately pursuing a career as an entertainment attorney, and uh, was working with some of the some of the, some of the some of the, the the bigger artists in the Washington D.C. area. So I'm gonna shout out Pinky Killicorn and Just Paul, who were two of my artists that I managed in the past. I love it. I love the work. But it just wasn't paying the bills, so so I had to move over to something that could pay the bills. So um, I guess if there's something I would want to impart with with your listeners is that you know um, you owe it to yourself if you work hard to even play hard. So whatever your passion is, whatever your hobbies are, pursue and um, yeah, enjoy life. That's what I do. I dig it. I dig it. Thank you very much. All right, <clears throat> so let's get into it. Um, Bridges Inc. What was 
what was the impetus, you know, the motivation to, to start this organization? Um, as I, you know, as I indicated, I, you know, working in the government for, um, for a few years, um, I was in a position, the position that I held was actually an appointment by the mayor. Okay. And with, with that mayor, who at the time was, was Vincent Gray, um, lost his reelection bid. Um, when he left office, I left office. I had to leave office because I was appointed, appointed employee okay. by him. Um, so, um, I just decided, you know, um, to kind of give government a break to really come back to my community and to see what what the true needs of the community were and see how I can help fill those needs. And one thing that I realized in my almost 10 years of working in the government is that um, in in my community, which is Ward 7, uh, which could be considered a vulnerable community, people were angry, people were upset because of years of neglect, years of, of lack Um, years of not getting some of the basic amenities and resources that other communities had, Mm -hmm. and that um, out of that anger, um, they were not able to clearly articulate what it is they wanted. They knew what they they did not want because they were very vocal in, in, in stating what they did not want, but I, they did not, they had not taken the time to build a cohesive plan around what it is they did want for their community. So um, we saw that need, we, and when I say we, my, myself and my colleagues who started Bridges, we saw that need, and there was a need to really bridge government and community in a way that the community could benefit the most in Ward 7, and that was how can the community get the resources, get the services, get the, the, the basic amenities that they clearly deserve and that they clearly want. And so um, just Bridges was formed to try to work with the community to, to develop a shared vision for what it is they wanted and what it is they needed. Okay. All right. I mean, you say they, you know, they you know, have failed to put a plan together. Um, was it necessarily like a failure to plan? Was it more along the lines of maybe not really understanding how to how to craft the plan and how to go about doing it, which is where you all come in? Exactly, correct. Yeah, building the capacity okay. of the community to develop that that shared vision for their development. And how, um, like how, 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 do, how, how receptive is the community to that? You know, like how are they, were they... That's just it. How receptive were they to that process? Well, it is, you know, it's difficult. You know, I think um, it's difficult. It's difficult changing people's mindsets anyway. Very much. You know, so, um, and when people are used to doing things one way, no matter how uh, productive or how unproductive that way might be, they get set into that way. So it's really coming into a community and saying, hey, there's a better way to do this. And so, um, you know, Sometimes it can be difficult. I like to think that I am a trusted agent in my community. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that I did not have to, I did not have to come into a community that I did not know in a community that did not know me. But because of my work in the government, because of my work in this community in various capacities, I was already known. And I had begun to develop trust among some of our community stakeholders and leaders. So that was one barrier I did not have to, to um, deal with. Right. But um, again, um, Helping to change people's perceptions that there might be a better way to go about getting what it is we want and need—that um, can sometimes be trying and difficult. That's understandable. Understandable. Now, you describe Bridges Inc. as a uh, social enterprise. Uh, for those who may not understand what that means, what what is that, and how does Bridges Inc. fit that mold? Cool. Well, uh, social 
social enterprise is it's, it's a fairly new or recent concept. I mm-hmm. think probably the past five or seven years we've been hearing this social enterprise and how does organ how does uh, an organization translate the work that they do into impact mm-hmm. or social impact. Okay. So basically, a social enterprise is a for profit. We are set up. We are not a non profit. <laughs> okay. um, but we are our and like. Most and are like all of for profit. The bottom line is making a profit. Right. You know. So, um, but the difference between a, a, a true for profit and a social enterprise is that um, the profits that we make are in turn reinvested back okay. into a community to provide services or to um, try to impact the social needs of that community. So, um, you know. So again, you know, once we realizing that our bottom line is a profit, a bottom line is a dollar, uh, we prioritize putting those dollars back into vulnerable communities so that we can help those communities in ways that there's impact, true impact, where we can say we, we literally help X amount of uh, residents uh, build their capacity to advocate for themselves. Or, you know, we work to build the capacity of youth leaders, and we're working with these youth leaders to advocate for basic services that they may need. So um, really looking at how we can um, make a profit and then, like I said, reinvest it back into a community so that we can see real change. Okay, cool. And how do you know when what you are doing is effective, like when, when you have been successful? What's, what's a marker you look for in terms of success? Um, I would definitely say, um, okay, just imagine you're at a, you're at a table, a lunch table, and um, you see that, you know, you, you got your mom, you got your dad, you got your grandma, your aunties, your uncles, um, but the kids are at a kid table okay. because all the adults are at the big table. So imagine, you know, um, building the capacity of those children to be able to come and have real conversations with those adults at the table. Simply not, you know, don't, don't, you know, um, because they're oftentimes placed at that table because they're youth. Right. Um, but so we come in, we build the capacity of those kids to articulate what it is mm-hmm. they want, what it is they need, and then slowly but surely we ensure that those youth have a seat at the adult table. So I would say... Uh, for us, uh, for for me, one of the things that I, I say is most effective is is seeing different voices, or hearing different voices at the table, and seeing different faces at the table, uh, where um, we're not, you know, where there, where these voices are able to insert their voices into the conversation about their community. So um, for me, I would say. Um, the work, I know the work is effective when, again, uh, people realize that they do have a voice, mm-hmm. and then people people begin begin to feel empowered to use that voice in a way that that they can actually articulate what it is they want and they need. Um, so you know, just just going in and, and looking at you know what the needs are the communities, what, what are the needs of the community, and how can we raise those voices in that community to advocate for those needs. Cool. It's one thing to, you know, work with the youth in terms of, you know, raising their voices. How difficult, though, or what's the challenge that comes with once they are at the point where they're ready to participate in those conversations? How do you get, you know, the folks on the other side of the table to be receptive? How, how do you help them work through that? Because that's not, you know, it's not always easy either. That is true. That is true. Well, one of the things that we pride ourselves on at Bridges is one is relationship building. Okay. Again, um, 
having over 10 years work experience in the government. Right. Um, I've, you know, working for, a, you know, a couple of mayors, working for most recently a city council member. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I like to say that I bring a unique perspective to the, to the community because I, I've been an insider. I know what it is that, um, that gets an elected official to listen to you. I know um, how to effectively advocate, you know, um, versus just going in and complaining. Right. Um, so, um, so I like to think that my, what is unique about Bridges is that we are a team of individuals who have worked inside the government, who have been decision makers inside the government, who have advised high-ranking officials on community issues. So um, we have, on the on the government side, we have relationships that we've established and built over the past 10 years where when we bring community members to the table, they... Um, the government leaders or the stakeholders respect those voices because of the relationships we built with them over the past over the few years. Okay. All right. Nice. Um well, okay, okay. To follow up on that then, what has been um a challenge? What what do you think has been your biggest challenge, you know, given everything you've done, you know, in spite of the relationship building, in spite of things. What what do you see as the biggest challenge outside of just the you know, outside of just the initial I guess, introduction or, or, or interactions, yeah. I think, you know, um, getting people to really see the value mm-hmm. in, 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 in building their capacity. Again, I mm. think I had mentioned earlier okay. that people are so used to, to doing things one way, no matter how productive or unproductive that way may be. Right. Um, that Especially a lot of our older leaders, our seasoned leaders who've been in this work for years, mm-hmm. um, you know, they don't feel that... A lot of them may not be open or receptive to looking at things or doing things a different way. So um, really getting the community to see the value in um, capacity building, the value in coalition coalition building, the Mm -hmm. value in working together instead of working in silos. Um, That has been my biggest challenge because, let's face it, the government agencies, um, the nonprofits that we work with, the for-profits that we work with, they all see the value in connecting with the communities. Because, one, they're connecting with the constituents, Mm -hmm. they're connecting with uh, potential clients, they're connecting with consumers. So they know that they need to be engaged with the community. But oftentimes the community isn't receptive to being engaged with those entities just for, like I said, years and years of neglect, years of, you know, abandonment and lack. Um, It's almost as if, you know, some vulnerable communities are kind of... um, I'm a loss for words, but they 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 don't see the value in making build and making and building these relationships because they simply don't believe that anything is going to come come out of those relationships that yeah. are established. Kind of don't think things are going to change, right? Exactly. That, you know. That's you know that and that's and that that's a sad point in the community when people don't want to get involved when people um, believe that getting involved just won't change things right. and um yeah. that's just far that's far that's from the truth yeah and i mean it's, it, it's it's the same thing we're you know watching play out on the national stage you know you in spite of everything we see and all the emotions regardless of which side you're on there's still folks who are like nothing's gonna change anyway so why even bother why participate why you know and it's like well if you participate then things change <laughs> right but exactly. it's, it's how it, you know, it I, is it's hard to, to get that mindset to change i agree 
you know, and one of the one of the most deadliest statements I hear is that why vote not my vote doesn't count. Yes, that that is that mm. is you know the quickest way to a to a the, the fastest way to an early grave. <laughs> you know, mm. not getting involved, and that that's one of the that's one of the most simplest ways you can be engaged. Is that it's just to show up and vote. Right, and I think a lot of times people don't. From my perspective, when people kind of take that mindset, it's like what they don't understand is that not doing anything is still doing something. You know, That's it's true. just it's but it's just further set. You know, putting you more at a disadvantage. And it, does, it takes a lot of work to you know get people out of that. So you know, I, I appreciate the effort you put in there because the more work we put in changing minds, the better things will get. You know. Yep. 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 All right. That's, that's what we believe. So then, what what has been your proudest moment to date then? Um, that's a great question. I, you know, because I, I really, honestly, I don't sit down and count my wins. Um, because, you know, because I, I just don't really feel, see, you know, I don't see the value of sitting down and counting my losses. I just get Mm -hmm. up every day and I do the work, you know, but but I would say maybe, um, again, one of my, I think one of my proudest moments would probably be, um, when I get a call from a potential client. Um, who says, you know, we heard about what you're doing in, in Ward 7 and Ward 8, and we want to sit down and talk to you because we we have this program, we have this, you know, this this plan that we want to um, just talk to you about and see how we can get the community involved. So, again, I you know, I see, like, the government agencies, the nonprofits, those organizations, see the value in trying to connect with the community. And, and when um, I got my first call from um, an organization that former Mayor Anthony Williams was the head of, uh, Anacostia Waterfront Trust, and they basically said to us, we heard about your organization, and we really want to engage around having some dialogues within the community. I felt that, um, you know, kind of, was, you know, that proud mom moment is just kind of like, <laughs> oh, look at my baby bridges. We're growing. People All right. are learning about it. And people are appreciating the work that we're doing in the community. So, yes, that was a really proud moment. Because on my bio, I, I said I probably worked with two city mayors, but I did also work with the third former mayor, Anthony Williams, on, on that project. So, again, just knowing that they were, they were they saw the value in connecting with the community was a very proud moment. Nice. You know, that's that's good to hear. He, um, there are mixed feelings about Mayor Williams. Um, but it is, you know, that, that it's good to know that, that there are things he did put in place that are still impacting the community. You know, maybe if people kind of step back and think, you know, things weren't so bad, you know, you disagree ideologically sometimes. So it happens. Um, so we are coming to the end of the formalized portion of this. So let me ask you one last question. What do you want your legacy to be? Wow. Um, you know, um, eventually I would like to see Bridges move to a more international stage yes. and working in communities where, uh, particularly communities where women's voices have been suppressed for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so my legacy would be to really see, um, you know, strengthening the voices of, 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 of those women who who are suppressed and, and, and actually developing leaders out of those voices. Um, that would that would want to be that's that's what I would want my legacy to be. I would like to be able to say, hey, I you know, I reached so many, you know, women
women over in India, so many women in Africa, and out of those women, we've, we've had elected leaders, you know, to come out of those trainings and that's those capacity builders. So I would say I really want to see women particularly uh, gain their voice and become elected leaders in their community throughout the world. <clears throat> I am on board. Let, let, let me know how I can help in that endeavor. I am with it. <laughs> All right. Um, so that does conclude the formalized um, portion of the interview. We're going to move into a, a little more informal, a little more lighthearted questions. I need from you five numbers between 1 and 69. Five numbers between 1 and 69? Yeah. I'm going to go with lucky number seven. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, two, mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. five, and three. And three. So, you, you know, you left eight through 69 wide open. That's fine. Um, also, <laughs> give me one qu- one more number between one and 26. 25. 25. All right. So, <clears throat> part of my philosophy, my belief is that things like Food, music, and sports unite us um, more than they, more than they do divide us. You know, um, uh-huh. and so you know, I have some questions that kind of follow along those themes. Um, you have picked five questions in the first area, so all these first questions are about food, and that's fine. Let's start. Number one, <laughs> what is your favorite cuisine? Oh wow! Um, gosh, I really, you know what. I'm probably going to say Italian only because my mom's spaghetti is the best spaghetti ever and um, Italian. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Big ups to mom. Number two, cake or pie? Cake. Cake. All right. Number three, what are your top two favorite cakes? Oh, that's easy. Um, um, German chocolate and red velvet. Okay. Somebody out there want to bring me some? Want to type it both? I'm open. <laughs> Show them how to reach me, Sean. <laughs> no, we, we, we'll get them. We'll get them. All right. Uh, number five. What is your most memorable meal? <laughs> wow. Um. Oh wow. I would say I had a. Um, I've, I've never had a steak like a Charlie Palmer steak. I went to Charlie Palmer's restaurant um, here in D.C. for the first time maybe about three years ago, and the steak just melted in my mouth. So I'm going to probably say Charlie Palmer's uh, Porterhouse Steak. <laughs> they do have a good steak. They yeah. do have a good steak. Okay. Uh, and Okay, number seven. What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten for breakfast that is not a breakfast food? <laughs> I, I, I really don't do weird weird food. I do not play with my taste buds like that. <laughs> so, I would probably say a slice of pizza that was cold from the refrigerator that I did not warm up <laughs> from the night before. Ooh, you are a risk taker. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right um and this last question question 25 where is your dream vacation destination Hmm. dream vacation destination goodness um you know what i probably would say i would want to spend an entire year just traveling um, the continent of Africa, going oh. from country to country. Okay. Learning the different cultures, learning the vast differences between the different countries. Um, so, yeah, just going over to Africa for like a year, just, just, just 
being treated like royalty. Got it. All right. I dig that. All right. Well, that concludes uh, the official interview. Do you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Sure. Um, if you want to connect with us, Building Bridges to Success, Inc. is the name of the organization. You can find us on our on our website at Bridges, the number two, YourSuccess.com. That's Bridges to YourSuccess.com. You can find us on Twitter, IG, Facebook. We're all at Bridges, Inc. DC. So uh, stay connected with us because we have a lot of exciting things coming up. And if you want to have us, invite us out to your community and do some trainings. We'd love to be a part of that. All right. And and don't forget, you know, bring her some cake if you got some. Yay. Right. <laughs> Chocolate, you know, a red velvet and um, German chocolate cake. Yeah, yeah. Can't yeah. go wrong. Quick as way to my, my heart is my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Tish, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, cool. Thank you so much for inviting us on. Um, and please, uh, we'd love to come back and, you know, just be a, a featured guest anytime you have us back. Yes, ma'am. All right, thanks. All right, have a good one. You too. I want to thank my friend Tish for joining us this week. Be sure to check out Building Bridges to Success Inc. on social media at Bridges Inc. DC. And if you fancy yourself quite the baker and find that German chocolate and or red velvet cakes are in your particular wheelhouse, get at me and I'll get at Tish. For once, let's reward the messenger. All right, let's get into our independent practice. How do we apply today's lessons to our lives, our community, the world? Well, I don't know about you, but here I go. Tish said a lot that resonated with me. What's sticking right now is her comment about having a seat at the table. That is what we continue to aspire to, getting to a space where we can make decisions and set our community on the path to prosperity. What has that on my mind is the current controversy around Jay-Z and his partnership with the NFL. He has been granted a seat at one of the most prominent tables in all the land, (laughs) the National Football League. Colin Kaepernick has been blackballed, but Jay-Z is in there. That has to be a good thing, right? I'm not so sure. Folks are upset about this partnership. More specifically, they're upset with Jay-Z for a number of reasons. The first such reason is that Jay-Z apparently didn't contact Colin Kaepernick before he signed the deal. Well, there are conflicting reports, some saying he did and some saying he didn't. My question is, what was he supposed to be checking in about? I just can't figure out what the expectation was. People are framing it as if he should have gotten permission, like, yeah, I'm calling to make sure you're okay with this. (laughs) Come on, man. But here's the thing. I too think he should have. I'm not sure what would have been accomplished by that. I just wish he had. If only because had it not been for Colin's actions, this particular partnership would not have been forged. One could disagree, but I don't believe social justice would have been a focus if this weren't the case. So, reason number two among many, and perhaps the strangest to me, is that Jay-Z has actually been telling the truth in his lyrics all this time. Yes, he loves, desires, craves, cherishes, will do anything to get M-O-N-E-Y money. Serious anger over the fact that he was honest. Serious anger. 
folks still killing Rick Ross for not being the real Rick Ross, but they mad that Jay-Z is who he said he was. Fam, what are we doing? Now, there's also apparently some Jay-Z lyric floating around about Cap. I haven't heard it, or know if it even really exists, but if it does, that just further solidifies the point. As we've all heard, if a motherfucker show you who they are, believe them. This dude been literally telling and showing us who he is his entire career. So again, fam, <laughs> what the fuck are we doing? Now, there's a new rumor that Jay will be getting ownership stakes in the team. Interesting. Is there a team for sale? Is the league expanding? There are a lot more questions about this new piece of information, yet none are being asked by the mainstream media. At least I haven't heard them. Folks clamoring for Colin to be employed again might be encouraged. Maybe Jay will give Cap a job. I personally have trouble believing that the NFL wouldn't think about that and cover it in the contract terms, but who knows? In spite of these and other topics of interest, I'm in wait-and-see mode. My main question is, what is the social justice aspect of the partnership? And what does it look like? I guess that's two main questions, huh? But flat out. What NFL initiatives is Jay going to spearhead that bring about change? Because in his words, the time for protest is over. And it's time to move on to the actionable items. <laughs> he questioned numerous people in attendance at the NFL video-only press conference about the issue, so I know he, of all people, knows the issue and knows how to tackle it within the parameters of the NFL. <laughs> and I'll just leave that right there for you. Alright, that's what I got. What you got? Let's take a break so you can think on it. A five things break. So, a couple of years ago, I started a blog. Um, and one of the topics that I started to write about was 10,000 things that were great to be appreciative of in this world. I got the idea from a documentary I watched uh, and the gentleman was talking about uh, he and his dad's experience with his mom who was suicidal uh, and had attempted suicide a couple of times and they started trying to convince her of the things that there were to be appreciative in this world you know so he started putting together this list um, he came up with 10,000 <coughs> excuse me and so I said hey I can do 10,000 <laughs> I stopped at about 500 and such I believe I need to go back so that I can continue. But I want to start adding to the list again. And so I'm going to use this five things segment to do that. Each week I'm going to introduce five new things that are dope about this world. That's what I'm going to call it. 10,000 things that are dope. And each week will be five new things that are dope. Yes. So... This week's five things that are dope are, number one, Song of Solomon, book written by Toni Morrison, rest in peace. Um, I read this book so long ago, I was so young the first time I read it, 
but it has it it planted a seed um, about how to view the world and your place in it that really for me is just fully starting to sprout and so I am appreciative of that extremely appreciative Two, the black lesbian love lounge Facebook group is a wonderful group and I love being a member so if you are black lesbian and love love check it out there's also a private community as well um, with a lot of bonuses and extras for the group um, it's dope haha -ha. so uh, I will be interviewing the founders of Mar Perry um, soon for a future podcast so you know look out for that number three Rehoboth Beach if you know me you know I'm not a beach person right the thing I've appreciated about Rehoboth Beach is you know that when I was younger if you're my age your 40s you mid 40s you remember like bus trips you know you were going to casinos or <laughs> shopping trips and things like that so that's what I remember of Rehoboth but I went recently for a work retreat and it was phenomenal. I was able to ground naturally, you know, connect with the earth barefoot in the sand and such. I even met a crab. It was wonderful. <laughs> I will be going back. Uh, number four, airdropping. Hey, let's talk convenience. Let's talk it. I, I love that I don't have to stop and compose an email and attach a file and press send and as long as it's used appropriately it is wonderful I hope no one ever airdrops anything I don't want and I shan't do it to anyone else um, and five in-home washer dryer and dishwashers Ooh, again convenient y'all alright that's this week's five dope things about the world and I'll have five more next week So, let's close this week out. Your forever homework is to hashtag build your table. Find the best space and place for you to affect change, lean into it, and create opportunities for others to do the same. Now, tell me about it. As an educator, I have an open door policy. You can get at me on email at bfrankism at gmail.com. That's the letter B. F-R-A-N-K-I-S-M at gmail.com. On the web at www.blatantfrankism.com. That's www.blatantfrankism.com. And on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Blatant Frankism. Again, that's the letter B. L-A-T-A-N-T-F-R-A-N-K-I-S-M. As for the Powerball, we didn't win last week, but we'll keep playing. Today's Powerball numbers are 1, 2, 3, 5, 7, and the Powerball is 25. If you win, pay it forward or put it back into the community. I want to thank my sponsor, as usual, Crafty Newbie and Sister. That is C-R-A-F-T-E-E. N-U-B-I-A-N-S-I-S-T-A-H Crafty Newbie and Sister on Facebook If you need some gear For anywhere That's a t-shirt A hat A glove A jean A book 
a cup, a mug, <laughs> anything you need. Check out Crafty Nubian Sister on Facebook. She can, she can supply your needs. And if you want to be a sponsor or know another entity that would, please contact me. Today and always, don't forget to check on somebody. And if you need somebody to check on you, let them know. Alright, that's it for this week. Get at me.